Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, good morning and hello, Voice America listeners. We have not been together for quite a long time. Our last live show was a couple months ago. Um, We've had all sorts of things going on, not allowing us to do the show live. Um, So I hope that you've had a chance to review some of our past shows. Um, We are, as you know, if you've been a a long-time listener, uh, we're a show about your successes, and we want to make sure that those get celebrated because we spend a lot of time thinking about our challenges and thinking about what our difficulties are, and there's so many good things that are going on right in front of us. Uh, Right now, we're all dealing with isolation issues that related to the coronavirus, which is a, um, a complete life-changing situation for most people. You know, I've done a lot of work uh, in regards to helping people with anxiety, helping people with nervousness, and this is, um, you know, a, a, a real fear that's out there. And, you know, when we define fear, it's like a psychological condition that's divorced from any concrete immediate danger. It comes in many forms. It comes in uneasiness, worry, anxiety, nervousness, tension, dread, phobias, you know, so on. This kind of psychological fear is always of something that might happen. It's not of something that is happening now. And here's the kicker. Of course, now we have something that's right in front of us and is concerning us all. And so it's real. And so when a fear becomes a reality, what do you do? Well, what do you do? You work through your strengths and your ability to demonstrate what we've been talking about, which is psychological flexibility. We've spent a lot of time defining what psychological flexibility is and how we use it. Remember that it's that personality trait that we use to cope with changes in circumstances and we come up with new novel ideas in order to problem solve. Well, how do you problem solve a virus? How do you problem solve a, a, a hidden enemy, as it's been called? Well, you plan and you prepare. We at Total Programs have been working in-home with families since the beginning of the coronavirus. We have only been doing about 50% of our normal services, but we have been assisting parents on a daily basis to work with their kids and take on the, the challenges of home teaching. And at the same time, while they're working, and trying to get things done in their own home, are they supported enough? And sometimes, you know, things seem so big. 
we become so overwhelmed by them. And when we become overwhelmed, when we become ungrounded, we see it instantly in our kids. So, and children start to overreact in order just to obtain regulating attention. And I've talked about this before. It's like, well, why are you so out of it right now, kid? You don't usually act this way. Well, it's because you're out of it as an adult. So the kid's going to turn it up a notch in order to get the same level of attention. In our behavioral world, we actually call it an extinction burst. All of a sudden, the kid was used to getting reinforced or, or getting attention over stuff. And now he's not getting as much attention so, because you're busy doing stuff, and so he turns it up a notch. And now all of a sudden the behaviors become more difficult to deal with, or you just have a lot of interaction. And one of the things that I'm seeing a lot of is parents just not knowing what to do, not knowing how to approach their kids. And they're not used to it. You know, this is something that they have entrusted to the teachers, entrusted to outside counselors. You know, we have behavior therapists that come into homes all over the place. And, you know, people are used to that. Now, all of a sudden, they don't have those support systems in place. They don't have those resources in place. So they everybody's just doing their best you know and that's going to really be defined in how you approach your parenting now one of the most important things that was ever told to me by my great sage and friend and he's he's passed away some years back now his name was Clark Oler and he once said If you are going to have a good interaction, a good relationship, whether it's at work or at home or as a parent, you have to have the appropriate resources around you. And if you find that you don't have the resources around you, seek them out. If you find that you can't get those resources, then it's okay to back down a bit. And today I'm really excited because in the second segment, I'm going to bring on Lindsay Grizzle, who works with Total Programs as our our Associate Clinical Director. She really heads our clinical programs, and I'll talk more about that. But she wrote some great articles recently in regards to this specific thing about resource allocation and what you can do as a parent. So I'm really excited about having her on. You know, when we look at psychological flexibility, it is surrounded by the idea of, for one, present moment awareness. Secondly, accepting what it is that is going on around you so that you can take your own value system, the things that are important to you, and start creating some actions so that you can commit yourself to a a, a goal. And what happens when you have different types of parenting styles is that certain parts of that may get shut off. So instead of accepting, you may experientially avoid. Instead of having the ability to see things in 
multiple different angles, you may be cognitively fused and just see things in one way and really not be able to defuse as we would say in acceptance and commitment therapy and training. If your head is really stuck in one area, you're going to have a struggle and stress with your parenting. And there are different types of parenting styles. The authoritarian parent is often thought of as like a disciplinarian. They use really strict disciplinary styles and there's little negotiation and punishment's pretty common. Communication is mostly one way and it's from parent to child. So there's not a lot of rules that are explained and the parents typically less nurturing because they're really caught up in their own stuff. And usually one of the things that they're caught up in is that they have to be a certain way all the time. And so that being frozen in a sense in a certain style of parenting leads to more authoritarian parenting. Then you can have the permissive or indulgent parent who mostly, you know, it's like lets their kid do what they want to do. They don't give a lot of guidance. They don't give a lot of direction. They want their kid to have a good life. They, they're, they're good parents. They're nurturing parents. But their communication uh, is really letting the child decide for themselves. And kids need that structure. They need to know that they are being taken care of. And so sometimes the permissive parent uh, doesn't exactly set out what the expectations are. And so that can cause a child to become stressed and worried. The uninvolved parent is goes completely into experiential avoidance. They don't really want to deal with any issues that might be coming up. They don't want to, they're pretty uninvolved in their kid's life. And it's not a particular discipline style. It's really uninvolved. And when uh, that child feels that their parents are uninvolved, they may feel a lack of caring or they're probably not getting the information that they need. We have the authoritative parent. And the authoritative parent is kind of reasonable in the way that they approach things. They're nurturing. They set high and clear expectations. The discipline rules are clear. And, they, and the kid, they talked about it with the, with the kiddo. So the expectations are understood. And they give the kid a chance to fail and to not always do so well. You know, and it's like, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to mess up. You know, have the, the strength and the courage to try something new and to screw up and it doesn't matter. And so that's where that authoritative parenting style is something to try and look at and model because it's going to allow you to be more flexible, give your children the the guidance and nurturance that they need, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't put so much stress on you as a parent. Being more in the present moment allows you to problem-solve what's going on in front of you. And the, the hardest thing is when you avoid an experience, when you avoid the present and abandon it, you're giving away your lifetime. 
And I know you don't want to do that because you would never give away even 30 seconds of your life. So talk about 30 seconds. We are at our first break time. We will be back in a couple of minutes and we'll be talking with Lindsay Grizzle in regards to her new article set. Thanks and go and get yourself a cup of coffee. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be, and our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seanservice at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back, listeners, and I'm really hoping that you got yourself a nice cup of coffee, that you are, or maybe you're listening to this at night, so you got yourself a nice glass of wine. Either way, I hope that you are in a relaxed mode. We are talking today about the current era of coronavirus and what fears and stresses it does bring to our parents. Um, We are really happy to have Lindsay Grizzle on with us. She is our clinical director. We have been working with families during this coronavirus era in home, uh, and there's been a lot of realization that parents are stressed out, that they're unable to fulfill all the, the, the their own goals and all the things that they need to do, and they're really beginning to... Uh, have pretty high stress levels. Uh, Recently, I've been doing a webinar on child abuse. And, you know, one of the big concerns out there is that the formula for child abuse is a child and a care provider and stress can lead to child abuse. Why? Because the parent may be in this mode of trying to uh, produce the perfect situation or try and control everything that's going on around them. Or the opposite, they are so anxious that they are completely uh, avoiding things around them. So it's really important to understand, for one, and when we talk about universalism, in the world of universalism, we're all kind of dealing with this together. You're not alone, and... It's important that you reach out for support. And 
the way that our team works at Total Programs is that we, as colleagues, are like a tight family. We interact with each other all the time so that we can support each other's ideas. And it's the same thing that we try and do in our home situation. So, Lindsay, I, I want to bring you on and welcome you this morning to our program. Good morning. Good morning. And I'm very excited about the articles that you wrote because they go right into the kind of philosophy that I have about never expect something from somebody unless they have the resources that they need. So tell me a little bit about why you, you know, even wrote the first article you wrote, I think was called Successfully Working From Home. And it was successfully reducing kid interruptions when you need to work. Now, that sentence alone is like a glorious sentence for so many parents right now. Tell me how it, uh, how it got started that you wrote this article. Um, well, uh, I've been working with you, Dr. Surface, since it was January 2007 and out for 10 years in California, and I moved home to Florida where I grew up. And so for, since 2014, I've been working at home, um, had a few kids along the way. So there's six of us in the house right now. <laughs> and um, just my friends, they reached out to me. I had about I had two friends in particular that reached out and said, "Hey, is there any tips that you have?" Um, they know I've been pretty successful managing um, my home life, and then also um, giving time to the agency. So I just wanted to put some things together that it has worked for me uh, into onto paper. And so I wrote a few things up, and really, it's. You know, I thought about, you know, what the hell, I'll take advantage of this pandemic and do what behavior analysts love to do and are actually obligated to do, and that's spread the knowledge of what works to to everyone. So it's almost like I feel like an ambulance chaser right now. If you're stuck at home and you have things to do and your kids are having a hard time, you know, we got some we got some strategies for you. So, um, oh, I don't... Yeah. I don't see it as an ambulance chaser. It's the opposite. You're like the EMT. You're like that emergency yeah. medical team that's coming in and saying, hey, this, this is how you can do this. Um, I'm sure that uh, many of your fellow colleagues, friends, other parents um, have enjoyed reading this. And, yeah. and I love the way that you have broken things up. You started off with talking about the challenge, and what did you see as the challenge or the, the, the difficulty of working yeah, at home? I think the, you know, I think looking at all the articles in general, um, being able to look at your own life, and especially during the situation, like you talked about earlier, how things are all changing for families right now, um, and being able to kind of assess and what we call an ABA is operationalize your challenge, so not making your challenge so personal, um, but looking at your home setting and saying, okay, this is the problem, maybe writing it down, and then what solution can I, can I take? And so the articles, um, I wanted to kind of structure them in a way that um, outlines some really common problems working from home um, and then also give, give the reader a kind of the scientific behavioral um, background to help 
you know, increased knowledge around the situation so they can take that knowledge and maybe hopefully apply it to other types of situations in their life, but then also kind of outline the practical application of the, the strategies. Yeah, and you bring up two things. One was the operationalizing. I want you actually to tell people what that means to, to operationalize something. And the second part is is that generalization, that ability to move it from the place that you maybe originally learned it into other places. So talk to me a little bit about when you say operationalize your problem, what does that mean? Well, it's really easy, and we know this, you know, from going in and doing parent trainings, um, going into classrooms and talking to teachers. It's really easy when you're stressed out in a situation and you're frustrated with, you know, what's going on to um, – to look at the problem behavior or the challenge as through kind of an emotional eyeglass. Um, my, I'm, the kid's always tantruming, he's awful, you know, he never listens to what I say. And so it's kind of, it has that emotional string in it. When we talk about operationalizing, we talk about exactly looking at what the environment is. So looking at maybe it's a dinner time writing down exactly what the challenge is, so writing down what you see, what you're hearing, um, and not necessarily at that point um, going into the emotional side or the, the reason behind it. It's just kind of making it more practical and making it, um, outlining it so that if you gave that piece of paper to somebody else, they would know exactly what your, your challenge is. Right, and that ability to understand and see that clear picture is so important because the parents got to be able to look back on and go, what am I actually working on here? What am I trying to do? Because now all of a sudden I'm doing 50 different things and I thought I was trying to reduce my kid's attention, but now I'm setting up all these different things and I'm not realizing that what is my actual action around here? So perfectly, perfectly stated. Uh, What is that idea of generalization though? What is that really in regards to? Well, the goal be, be of all kind of training when we're doing parent training, teacher training, caregiver training, um, is to teach a skill to our children or teach a skill to the parent, um, but teaching also the reason why they're, they're, they're implementing that strategy so that when there's another challenge that comes along in their life and there's not, um, not a, somebody there directly telling them what to do and supporting them, that they're going to take that knowledge that they learned from that, um, the original reason they learned the skill and apply it to um, generalize it and spread it across um, different times of the day, um, spread it maybe, maybe dad's implementing a strategy and mom sees that strategy working so that, so that strategy is general, generalized from dad mm-hmm. to mom spreading that technology and those, those strategies across different people. One of the things that you wrote about in your article was the idea of, in a sense, trying to, yes, understand your child's need for attention, but maybe not such at such high rates. Maybe it's not desire, you want to attend to your kid as a parent or a teacher, but maybe not as much. And we have something in our behavioral world called differential reinforcement and different kinds of schedules of reinforcement. Talk to me a little bit about how that would come into play 
here in regards to reducing that high rate of attention? Well, you got to look at it first, I think, from the child's perspective. Usually when mom and dad are home, uh, the attention is directed a lot towards, um, towards the kids. So, you know, they're interacting with their kids at home all the time. Now you throw something like this where a parent needs to get something done, whether it's, you know, I talk about working from home, not just, you know, having your laptop and working, but the kids are home all day. So if you need to get laundry done, cooking done, caretaking for a younger kid, so it's not just working at home for, like, an actual working parent. Working from home is getting things done while kids are home. So from the kid's perspective, when mom and dad are home, they, that's free attention for that kid. Um, so what we're doing is we're in, in the strategy, you're teaching the kid to actually discriminate or tell the difference between when is it work time and when is it play time. And so um, the, the term differential reinforcement basically is teaching the kid, using the strategy to teach the kid to, um, that when um, the, the strategy is actually using the research, the researchers use Hawaiian lays where one color Hawaiian lei, let's say the red Hawaiian lei, when mom had that on, that signaled to the, to the child that, hey, mom is working, don't come up and look for attention at this time. The other side of that was a green Hawaiian lei, so they put on the Hawaiian lei, and that signaled to the child that, hey, it's playtime, I can go up and ask for snacks, I can interact with parent. Um, so that's the whole idea is reinforcing your kid with attention during the times where um, it's appropriate that's not work time um, with the green light and using something we call we call extinction or um, less forms of reinforcement during the time when they have a red light on. So the kid learns that to discriminate between work time and play time, basically. So we have two things going on there. One, we have this ability for the kid to visually understand, hey, right now mom's busy, kid doesn't have the attention for me, so I have to do things on my own. And when she has the green lay on or something that signals that she's able to come back to me for attention, then I'm going to get to interact with her again. Now, I said that there were two things, but we have a break time right now. And when we come back from the break, I'll talk about the second thing that you just mentioned. So we'll be right back. Thank you so much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. 
Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Yeah. Okay, welcome back, listeners. We have with us Lindsay Grizzle, Total Programs Clinical Director. We've been discussing an article that she wrote, a series of articles that she wrote, and particularly this one is in regards to parent attention. We've been discussing the idea of giving, first of all, visual signs of what when attention is uh, allowed and, and free and when mom or dad needs to work and these visual signs were described as a, a, a green lay meaning that you was time to go and play and a red lay you know or you know it doesn't have to be those colors but the red lay means that there's no or very little attention time so that's a big visual for the parent to be able to use and it, what it does and this is the second thing that I said I was going to talk about after the break is that it removes the ultimate responsibility from the parent, puts it on the kid so that they know when things are allowed and when things are not allowed. The parent doesn't need to be authoritarian and stuck in their way. They can allow a little bit of flexibility for that child to start to utilize this type of attention-seeking and before long, the parent may find that they don't need to be so rule-oriented because now the kid has become invested in this type of interaction. And give me an example. You were just talking to me at the break about a, an example of when a kid has taken uh, uh, ownership of this kind of program, Lindsay. Yeah, this is a pretty cool story. I had um, somebody reach out to me that read the article and saying how successful it was for them, and she actually asked me, what do I do now that if, the, if, my, if my daughter is asking me to put on the lays? So what, the, what she did, she had pink for play and blue for busy. Um, she works at home right now. She's doing, she does real estate, and she um, implemented the strategy, and um, it's working so well for her that her child's actually bringing her the lays and saying, hey, mom, you're, you're at your computer. Here's your, here's your busy lay. And the reason um, that she's doing that ultimately is because when mom puts on the pink lay, the play lay, the quality of tension that she's now giving her daughter during the pink lay time um, is, is much higher probably than when she didn't implement the strategy because, you know, I know you, 
I'm working from home, I'm cooking, I'm on my computer, I'm trying to manage the kids. So when she does have that pink lay on, she's giving full attention to her daughter, and that's been really beneficial to, the, to their relationship. Um, so, right, right. so rather than just giving little bits here and there just to appease the kid, to get him away from you, and I'm just yep. being honest in my statement, it's like now you've got some good quality time that you can look forward to. And we so often see that the, when we set up, for instance, a visual schedule for kids, they stop asking or they stop, you know, seeking out attention in a negative way to get out of something because they know, oh, okay, that's coming later. So I don't have to act out now to get something that I'm going to get later. And with time and repetition, the kid starts to understand that. What is the, What do you think the best way is to tell your kids about the technique and how to how do you move them from being those total attention seekers to all of a sudden utilizing something like this? Well, I would definitely recommend um, reading reading the article because it's there's a lot of things that um, a lot of little things to help promote the success of it. And there's also this is all this, I didn't make any of this up. It comes from um, ABA articles, T- Tiger and Hanley, that also I reference in the article. Um, but as far as telling your kids about the about the the training, essentially, um, or the the lays. You could use colored shirts. You can use um, whatever you want. The whole idea is to make make it obvious enough to signal to them um, attention or no attention, um, obvious enough to where they're able to easily discriminate. Right now, you know, if you're sitting at your computer, that's a little subtle sign that you want your kids to understand. Hey, I'm working. I'm sitting at my computer, but they need something larger and more obvious at the, at, at the beginning. Um, so when you're talking to them about it, if, if they're older, you can describe the, the technique. I'm, when mommy has this lay on, that means I'm going to be working. When mommy has this color on, I'm, I'm going to be playing with you. Um, the, one of the biggest keys is to start off with the, the no attention lay or the less attention lay for not, that, not too long. Um, you don't want to stick on that red lay and then work on your computer for an hour because your your kid needs more attention than you know every every other hour. So start small. Um, so you're going to actually start where the lay at the the length of time that um, your child typically reaches out to you for attention. So if your kid's coming up to you about every five minutes, then you only starting off want to wear that red lay for maybe three minutes or four minutes for it to be more successful. Um, and when, and, I'm no, sorry, I have and so a when you're old, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say when you're in the beginning, we want to start off with what we would call like a reinforcement bank. So the thing that makes sure that the kid knows what he's working for. So you might have on that green lay while you're playing, while you're eating, while you're interacting, before you're even teaching anything. And then you start to say, hey, have you noticed I've been wearing this? green lay while we've been playing together and if the kid is nonverbal or too young to understand the verbalage, they're just going to pick up on seeing that on you every single time fun and playtime occurs. And then when you do have to work, yeah, as you said, you started off for, you know, two minutes, three minutes, not expect the kid to go from A to Z immediately and go from needing attention all the time to being able to wait for an hour. So... Does it have to be the lay? Does it have to be done in that particular way? 
Um, it just has to be something that is easy for the child to discriminate between the two, what we would call the two different conditions, but two different, um, you know, whether it's play time or, or work time. So it doesn't have to be delay. And, you know, I started off actually doing this procedure just like the um, Tiger and Hanley article was when I first moved here, um, trying to teach my kids to discriminate the difference when I was working and not working. Um, and then over time, you can actually reduce the, reduce the actual, instead of a lay, um, maybe what you're doing, if you're sitting at the computer wearing your lay, now the computer is actually being conditioned the same way that the lay is being conditioned. So right now, I don't wear a lay, but that my, my, because, it's, because I paired the lay with sitting at my computer um, or whatever, maybe it's folding laundry in a particular place or maybe it's at the stove, um, you can actually remove the lay over time and that, that discrimination will still be in effect um, if you know, you're following through attention or not. Er, yeah. Earlier, I described some different parenting styles. And, you know, some parents will just say, hey, look, it's time. I have to work and you have to listen to me. That's it. There's no ins, ends, or buts about it. You just need to leave mommy alone because I need to work. Why, why would that kind of approach work? Why would it work or not work? Um, you're, the kids are going to, you want I mean, them why to shouldn't listen? they just listen to me? Because I'm, that's my kid, and I'm their parent, and they should just listen to me. Well, first, if, you know, if that's an approach that you've tried and it's not working, then our goal is to try something else. I've definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely fall into that category at times. And then my husband actually says, like, hey, Lindsay, you need to, what about your ABA stuff? Remember this. And so, you know, what, what you're doing at, at the point, if you're, if you're just telling your kids to do something all the time, and especially if they're not listening, um, you're going to be more frustrated as a parent. You can't, you know, you can't have the expectation that every directive that you're going to give, your kid's going to follow, follow through with. So that kind of leads into another, another article that, um, that we put together. But um, the whole tell idea me about is... The, tell, me, tell me about the other article because we already have so much more time. So are we moving on to the successfully working from home article? Um, they're actually all successfully working from home. Oh, yeah, um, they the, are. Sorry. The, the article about, about the doing your best... Um, the, the next one, I think, is probably that's really an important one, I think, is doing your best to stay calm and follow through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the whole idea behind that is, is kind of going into that authoritarian mode where, um, you know, my example, my, my son is, you know, he's a very bright kid, but um, if I ask him to put on his shoes, I can ask him ten times, and he's still going to be playing with the toy that he's playing with, playing with lint, who knows, just not focused on what he needs to do. And it's really frustrating as a parent to say, hey, Theodore, I just told you to put on your shoes. Did you hear me? And so what happens is as the parent, as, as the parent's escalating their voice, they're starting to yell, they start to, you know, threaten, hey, you're not going to get to, wear, to uh, play with your Pokemon cards, whatever it is. Um, you know, then the child starts to follow your directions. So the whole idea be- behind... Um, the article, doing your best to stay calm and follow through, is um, the, the, the strategy is to wait to ask your children to wait, wait to give your child a directive um, until you are ready to be standing next to them and help them follow through with the, with the directive that you gave. Um, 
you know, the science behind that is that really each time you tell somebody something to do, whether you're giving an instruction, um, nagging them, yelling at them, doesn't matter, um, you're really decreasing the likelihood that they're going to follow through with future directives that you give unless you yell. Well, we get, you know, one of the things in our behavioral world that we talk about all the time is reinforcement. So if the kiddo is used to getting his, your attention immediately when they yell or that they don't do what you ask of them until you get to that yelling point, well, they're going to be very knowledgeable in the fact that, okay, I don't really have to do anything until they yell. So... Once they yell, then I have to get up. So now you've lost your cool, you've, you're stressed out, and you, what you've done really is just taught the kid you don't have to do all these things until, uh, you, and, and, and until I yell at you. When I'm yelling right. at you, then you know it's, it's real. Now, we have less than a minute before our, our next break, but one of the things that you wrote in the beginning of this article is a disclaimer. And you wrote, please understand that there is no recommendation or technique out there that will work immediately. What, in in like 30 seconds, tell me what you mean. Uh, Basically, whatever situation you are right now with your family and your children, that situation's been happening for a long time probably. Mm -hmm. And so... Any strategy and any technique that you start using, you're going to have to stick with it and, and use it over time, and that's when you're going to see the effect, the, the scientifically proven it will work effect, um, but you need to give it time and be consistent. not going right. to happen overnight. Right. Just like a, a medical treatment. You know, you know it's going to work because it's been done by other people. Nobody's offering you a non-evidence-based practice, but it, you got to have some patience. Guys, we will be back in just a couple minutes with the end of our show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Uh, welcome back, listeners. Now, we've been talking with Lindsay Grizzle, Total Programs Clinical Director, and we've been discussing articles that she has written over the last couple months in regards to parenting and how to help your child uh, do well, but while you're also successfully working from home and working with them. And Lindsay, the last thing that we were talking about was this idea that, okay, you're going to try something new. Like, for instance, you know, your kid you has picked up the, the fact that if you don't have, he doesn't have to do anything until you yell. Now, all of a sudden, you're deciding you want to change that and you want to make it into, you don't want to be yelling all the time. You want the kid to follow your direction. That authoritarian parent that we can slip into it says, you're going to listen to me because I'm your parent, but the kid has been so used to uh, not having to do anything until it gets to the yell point that what happens later is that the parent becomes frustrated with the kid because they only do things when they're yelled at, and then they start to see the kid as a problem. And the kid becomes the identified problem when really the parent has set up a reinforcement cycle. So talk to me a little bit more about how parents can start to put things into place so that the change they want occurs at the level that they want it to. Right. Um, I think the first part, if, if you as a parent can get pa- get get past the, the fact that you have to make some sort of change in your and you, how you're reacting in your strategies um, and then your kid will your kid will follow you as um, as the as the parent um, the strategy for that's really helped reduce my yelling and I have to go I have to go back to this at times because it's easy to kind of get caught up into like the mommy monster type of situation um, is to, we, we call it the 70-30 rule. Basically, um, if you're asking, you need to, before, be, the idea is before you ask your child to do something, so you give an instruction, maybe it's, hey, clean up your crayons or stop fighting or, um, you know, put your shoes on, to, before you ask that instruction, think, is, is there a high likelihood, a 70% chance that by giving that verbal instruction or that directive that your child's going to follow through um, the first time that you ask them. If, it's, if that's the case, that the kid usually would clean up or stop fighting or, you know, put his crayons away with that directive, um, then you can go ahead and you can, you know, give that instruction. 
before you give an instruction that you know your child's probably not going to follow through with. Um, you might have to ask him two or three or four times. We, to avoid that, we want you to not ask him at all until you're ready to be close to him and then give him the instruction and then help him follow through. So instead of yelling across the room, hey, Theodore, clean up your crayons, yelling five times until I'm yelling, um, then I am, I'm going to wait, do what everything I do, other things that I need to do. I'm going to walk up to him, stand within arm's length of him, and say, Theodore, pick up your crayons. He's at that point going to follow through because I'm very close to him. I'm using my proximity. Um, and then I only gave that instruction once, and he followed through. So really, that instruction was met 100% of the times as opposed to if I'm across the room and I'm giving a bunch of um, instructions, hey, clean up your crayons. I told you to clean up your crayons. Theodore, do you hear me? That's three or four different times that I've given a directive that he hasn't followed through with. So the percentage, it's all working with percentage. The percentage that he's following through with is very low unless you're standing right next to them, giving them instructions giving them their instruction, and helping them follow through. And then in the end, contact reinforcement, which means, hey, buddy, thank you for putting on your shoes. I appreciate it, um, that reward at the end, end of it. So looking right. at before you give it a directive or an instruction to your child, think in your head really quickly, hey, is my kid likely to follow through or not likely to follow through? Um, and then if he is, go ahead and give the directive. Um, if he's not, wait to tell him what to do move close to your, your daughter or son and then give the directive and help, help guide him through that. And that's going to reduce your frustration um, of yelling because you don't need to anymore because he's following through with just your simple instruction, but you're using your body and being close to him so he's more likely to attend and follow through with your, with your instruction. It's interesting because what you've done there Besides teaching him a new skill, you've also moved the reinforcement from proximity, which is, okay, I really like it when my parent comes up to me and actually is right next to me and tells me to do something. So that's why I do it, because she comes up to me and tells me. Two, yes, you utilize proximity, but the reinforcer becomes, hey, you did a good job. Thank you for putting on your shoes for me. Uh, so, uh, you're a good kid. You did a good job. That verbal praise, that reinforcement becomes more important than the proximity. And now all of a sudden, two weeks later, by doing this all the time, you can say it from across the room and it'll happen because the reinforcement is about the praise, not about the proximity. Now, yeah. we only have a couple minutes till the end of, of, of the show, unfortunately. But one of the, we have three minutes. But in the beginning of the show, I talked about resource allocation and doing things that you have the resources to do. So dive into that because you wrote this, your article on you know, uh, successfully reducing some of your kid interruptions really dives into and giving into that darn bad behavior, the reality check and relief. It's, it's all about that. And I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. Go, go for it. Tell me a little bit about the resource yeah. allocation in one's life. 
Yeah, I think um, we all know as parents that if our kids are having a tantrum, the best thing to do is not give in to that tantrum. I think that's a pretty universal understanding. Um, the reality of it, and that's why I call reality check and relief um, as part of this title, is that um, it's okay to give into tantrum behavior at times. Everybody has to do it, but there's techniques to do it that are going to help you in the long run um, and, the, and reduce the likelihood that your kid's going to have an intense tantrum um, that lasts for a long time. Um, and the whole, the whole theory and application of it, of, of this um, technique, is to, if you are, if your kids, if you give an instruction to your child and they start to escalate, maybe it's to turn off the TV or the iPad or to get into the bath or something, um, if they start to escalate quickly, um, you have to make a choice within about 10 seconds um, of whether or not you're going to follow through and get through that tantrum and, and make sure that that directive is followed or give in to that tantrum. And so we want you to do that within 10 seconds. And during that 10 seconds, you need to look at your resources that are around you. And the type of resources that we're talking about are, you know, are there other people, other adults in the room that could help you if the tantrum gets really um, out of hand? Um, how, what kind of physical energy do you have um, if you're totally burned out and stressed, your mental strength? Um, you know, if you're hungry or if you, you know, need to give yourself some nutrition, um, it's really looking at your environment and your thing and saying, if I, am I able to successfully get through this tantrum because that's what we're supposed to do? Um, and on the other side um, of that, if you do not, so maybe you have, um, you're by yourself, you're stressed out, um, you need to, you're, it's okay to give in a, to a tantrum, um, to do it within those first few seconds. Right, um, and you have to be able to only utilize those resources that you have available to you. Now, unfortunately, we're at the end of the show, but what this leads me to is I would love, Lindsay, to come back next week, and let's discuss these articles even more in depth of what that means and how you can allocate your resources. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for today. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, remember that every day is a success and you do have the right to enjoy your successes, but we're there to help you and support you through your challenges. Have a good week. Blessings to you all. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.